Erica Mandy is an award-winning broadcast journalist and former CBS News reporter turned podcaster. You may recognize her voice from her daily show, The Newsworthy, where she helps people stay informed with convenient, unbiased, and less depressing daily news. Listed as a top daily newscast on Apple, recommended as the best news app by Fast Company, and featured as Can't Miss on Stitcher, these are just a few of her show's numerous accolades. Since launching in 2017, the show's received millions of downloads and has doubled its audience every year. In this episode, she shares exactly how she did it. She tells us what it was like during the first year when she didn't have a team, what challenges she's faced along the way, and she walks us step by step through what it's like to produce a daily news show. She even talks about how her background as a journalist plays into it all and how she thinks about tone and word choice to make sure her show is conversational. I really enjoyed sitting down with Erica and I'm excited to share her insights. So let's jump straight in to the conversation. Erica Mandy, welcome to For the Love of Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, let's get started. I want to go back in time a little bit, and I want to talk about your first internship out of college. What did you learn from that experience? I'm always curious about those sorts of origin stories and how they helped you to develop. What was the learning or lesson that you you gained there? So I took, after I graduated college, I took one more unpaid internship in television news before I got my first job in TV news. And that was a TV station in Kansas City. And I'll never forget that the person in charge of the interns said to me, you can either sit here and twiddle your thumbs and have this be a really easy internship, or you can take initiative and you can ask to do things. And so I took her advice and instead of just sitting there, I asked reporters to go along on stories with them. I would then go after the story, I would then go write my own script. Of course, that would never make air. But after they were done with their main job, I said, hey, can you take a second to look at this script and let me know what you think? I'd love your feedback. And people like other people who are passionate, who want to be involved and they're willing to help you especially because in something like TV news, everybody has gotten help from someone else. And so you want to pay it forward because somebody did that for you. So Mm. that was huge for me. I learned so much. They gave me great tips about my writing and I got to see them in the field, whereas other interns maybe just sat in the newsroom and (laughs) had a snack. And because people saw that I was really passionate about it, there was a photojournalist who could help me even more than the reporters because he maybe had some more downtime while they were writing their story. And so we would actually get in the editing booth. And he taught me a ton about what to listen for when you're editing video and audio, which helped me so much, not only in my TV news career, but 10 years later doing podcasts because I edited the show myself for a really long time. And I really enjoy the process of editing and listening for that millisecond that shouldn't be there, you know, that little pause. And I, yes, I learned that in college originally, but that internship, I really got to talk to the professionals about the things that separate the best people and the ones that maybe make you cringe a little bit. Mm, What a great story. I love that. One thing that I've noticed as I did my research and learning more about you is that you 
really you're you're a hard worker you have work <laughs> ethic and you're you're all about commitment which you need to be to have a daily podcast so i want to before we get into your 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 show i want to talk a little bit about so obviously you you know you had your success as a as a reporter and then in the as a journalist and you know you went from portland to la and and obviously you had your start back in, in your your hometown and your roots and i'm i'm so curious though so i know that you were you were kind of a little bit I don't know if fed up is the word, but you weren't feeling it when it comes to the alarmist headlines and the talking heads. And so you quit your job as a TV news reporter for CBS, mind you, and you decided to create the newsworthy. And so can you share a little bit about that transition? Did you seamlessly transition or what was it like <laughs> going from a job that you'd really built your whole career around to going out on your own, which is, a, you know, it's always a risk. What, what was that like? Yeah. So I think one of the main things that really got me thinking about this was just hearing from other people that how they felt about news. A lot of people were telling me they were tuning out news altogether because it was depressing, time consuming, biased, overwhelming. It's hard to keep up with everything. You know, this 24 hour news cycle can mm. feel really overwhelming. So I just started looking at how can I help people stay informed, feel part of the national conversation without feeling like they have to be paying attention to everything 24-7. I also felt it a little bit myself. You know, reporting on tragedy every day is not fun and it takes a toll after 10 plus years. There was that piece. Then there was this piece of how do I stay on the forefront of what is happening in journalism? Podcasting was growing already, obviously. Um, it had been around for a long time. There are definitely people who have been in it longer than me. But um, I did see the trend even before, I think, what we've really seen in the last couple of years. And I wanted to be on the forefront of that. And I saw that there was, at the time, really no daily news podcast other than repurposed NPR. And mm -hmm. definitely not something that brought this casual, friendly, fun vibe to the podcast space that people could listen to on the go. And so it was a combination of wanting to help people stay informed and stay on top of news more than I think they could and stay on top of uh, what the journalism world was doing. And then also just seeing an opportunity to do something unique in a space that was still trending upwards instead of staying in TV news, which quite frankly, all the numbers show are, is going down, right? So, so that was exciting for me. But then to actually do it is a, is a whole nother story. <laughs> so I started by just researching. You know, I even ran a little survey on monkeysurvey.com or whatever that website is and did a two minute clip and asked people about what do you think of this idea? And, you know, because I didn't want to just ask friends who would maybe not tell me the truth. So I got strangers to tell me. And I got good feedback about the things I couldn't change, you know, my voice, the concept. And then maybe there were some other things. I don't really listen to podcasts, but I saw that was trending differently. So, okay, that might change. So I was able to see that there was enough momentum and interest in this and doing my research that I felt like I had to go after this. And I really asked myself, if I get everything I want in television news in five years, will I be happy with that? And when the answer was maybe not then I knew that this was a risk worth taking. And at the end of the day, I decided that I trusted myself to figure out what to do if this didn't work out in a year, if I mm -hmm. failed at this mm -hmm. podcast thing. I trusted myself that I could get another job or pivot in some way. Obviously, I didn't want that to happen and it would be embarrassing, but I felt that I could figure it out. And so it was worth the risk. And so... I kind of just took the leap. And look, I've been somebody who moved around TV news a lot. So 
I embrace risk and change maybe more than than the next guy, but I think that I just felt I had done my time in TV news. I was ready for something else and it was now or never. Mm, what a great story. I love it. And I, I love that you took the leap of faith and you blazed your own trail. I'm just such a fan of that kind of thinking that you were seeing, you were, the handwriting is on the wall and what's happening. And instead of just kind of going down with the ship, you're like, okay, what can I do differently? And I know that first year you, you really did it on your own. And so I'm super curious, what was the most challenging part of that? Because doing a daily show, for those that don't realize, I mean, it's a 10-minute show. That's what we hear, right? But it takes a lot more time to do it. And the commitment that you need to do that, it's so admirable. So what was it like that first year when you were, it was all on you? What were the biggest challenges or, or lessons learned? Yes, it was a lot. It was a lot. I think, yeah, I I, I had to commit to that one year that I had set out for myself because nothing's going to happen overnight. And look, even though I was on TV news, I didn't have this huge following on social or anything like that that was going to follow me to the podcast. So I really was starting from scratch in terms of audience. That said, I brought 10 years of experience in broadcasting and news and all of that, doing it all on my own because you've got the business side, you're launching, and then you've also got a news production that you have to put out every day. And this is not something that you can take a weekend and batch for a month, right? This is something you have to do every single, for me, it's late at night and I put it out basically overnight and then I go to sleep. And so I was spending my mornings and afternoons doing the business side. And then I would switch over to actually the news content, you know, around 4 p.m. my time to start working on the episode for the next day and working until one in the morning to get that done. And so this was every Sunday through Thursday, essentially, to put out episodes Monday through Friday. So that definitely took a toll. And I'm glad that after, I don't know, a year and a half or so, I was able to start hiring a small team. But there were ups and downs. Like I had the honeymoon phase of you know, you're launching, everyone's excited for you. I got some features that I would see spikes in audience. It was all still pretty slow going. And looking back, you know, it's definitely a small audience compared to what I've been able to build now. But every little spike in audience was so exciting. Every little feature was so exciting. And I just used that momentum. But then five months in or whatever, People's kind of are sick of hearing about it. You know, your friends are kind of sick of hearing about it. You've built a little bit of an audience, but maybe you plateau for a little bit. And I think the challenge is continuing to go, staying committed to what you've laid out for yourself, even when you maybe plateau and you don't have that honeymoon phase of the beginning. And I always talk about, you know, there's the beginning and then no one really pays attention to the middle. They think the launch is really exciting and then they see when you're successful and something big happens or maybe you've built this audience years later, but maybe no one's paying attention in the middle. And that's the most important part though. We have to stick with it. We have to learn. We have to experiment in the middle, do all the hard work before we can go from the beginning to the success. And so that was just, I learned a lot, you know, about myself, about business, about podcasting. And I think that's paid off. And I now finally feel like I am in a sustainable place where I can really focus on taking the business to the next level because things with the podcast are, are really steady. 
Mm, so good. I, okay, so I I'm super curious about the experimenting part, but I'm also I'm also really exper- I'm, I'm really curious about just your process because you said you did it you know mostly late at night. Is that still the way it is today? Let's start with that. Like, can you just walk us through? And I'm sure it might, maybe it's evolved. But what is to to produce this? Like, give us a, a little flavor of like what goes into it from start to finish. So yes, we look at basically all the news that's happened in a day. And now I have a team that really gets everything started. And then I come in at the end to review everything and perfect it before I then go record. But basically, the team and I look at everything that's happened across all different types of news stories and industries. And then we pick about 8 to 12 news stories. Now, keep in mind, we also read multiple sources for every single story that we choose. And we do this to really live up to our promise to be unbiased. You know, we don't want one reporter's bias because we're all human to overly impact our script that goes in for even one story within our show. So we might look at the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Vox, Fox, and CBS News and some other independent one that has been verified. And we'll take all of that information to craft our one minute, concise, casual digestible version of what's happening. And so it's a lot of research that goes into every story. And we have eight to 12 stories in every episode. We're talking about hours of research, reading, writing that goes into the 10 minutes that you hear at the end. And so now I have two people on the team who really do this from the beginning, then I come in and take a third look at it and perfect it and we discuss it. And so yes, this all starts in the afternoon the day before, and it goes into the overnight until we publish at four in the morning, the day that the episode comes out. Four in the morning, Eastern time. And I love that you're one, I'm sure it's a huge relief to have the team to get you set up. And so I know you love writing. I know that's one of the things that you, you you know, one of the reasons you became a journalist is you love people, you love performing, you love writing and kind of blending all those together is something that, you know, has been one of the reasons that you've just gravitated to what you do, not only in your career that you had prior to your podcast, but now what you do. So I'm curious, and we'll get into the uh, experimentation in a minute, but I'm curious when you think about the writing part of it, what do you enjoy the most about the process? And is it the writing? Is it the performing? Or is it both? And how Mm -hmm. much of the writing is done before you get it? Is it more they're giving you the stories and then you write it? Or how does all that work? So one of the reasons that this show even exists is because I think so many people, when I talk about people feeling overwhelmed by the news, it's not just the amount of news, but it's also how the news is presented. And sometimes I think journalists forget that everyone else is not paying as close of attention as we are. And so we talk about processes that maybe happen within the political system or the court system or any of the stories that we're covering in a way that I think is people easily get lost. And not that they're not smart, but they're just not paying attention as closely. And so it is our job to take these complex topics and complex concepts and turn them into something that feels really easy to listen to, really easy to follow and understand. And I always say, if somebody has to rewind the episode to understand the story that we just gave them, we've failed. So our job is taking all of that information that exists about this news story and not only breaking it down to be more concise, but to be something that people can understand very quickly. And I love that challenge of taking something 
and making it seem like it's an easy concept for people. But actually, it's a really hard process to take a complex process and turn it into something that feels really easy to listen to and feels really easy to understand. So that's number one. And that's my job and my team's job. So all of us do writing for the show. All of us do research for the show. And so we're all kind of working toward that same common goal. I love that. And so once you've, you know, you've gotten the stories, I think your your mission and your goal is to make it as clear and as easy and and also conversational, right? And right. In, in a in a in a human way. I know that's one of the things that maybe you could share for 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 anyone listening right now, like why is it so important that it it, it comes across as more conversational and and like you're talking as opposed to something that you would read? Why is that so important? Yes. I mean, people are putting your voice in their ears, right? And they, we want to come across like a trusted friend. And this was for TV news and for podcasting, but I think it's even more important for podcasting when people are taking you on the go, when they turn to you for their daily information as a trusted friend. So you want to make it feel like you're talking just to them. And no one wants to listen to someone reading something, you know, or feeling like it's monotone or too technical. The way that you say the sentence, the way that you write the sentence, and the words that you choose all matter. And so something that I've talked about before is how, you know, I would never say pedestrian, even even if that's in a police press release, right? You say the person crossing the street, always. Mm. I mean, on a weekly, if not daily basis, I'm reminding the team, how would you tell a friend this? That's how we need to be writing it. And that's how I need to be portraying it. And I do think that the show is 50% our writing and how we put together the show before I even step into the recording booth. And then it's 50% how I voice it, how I record it, how what is my tone, my pace, just everything that I bring to the show in terms of my voice and delivery. I really think both of those things play a huge part in how it comes across. And it really isn't something the listener should be thinking about ever. They should just be taking in the information, enjoying it, feeling informed, you know, appreciative of it. And and that's it. But I don't think these are all the things that go into it from our perspective that the listener would never even know. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And it's it's seamless on their end. They're not they're not even thinking about it. But right. to your point, it's like the tone, the word choice. And I mean, write like you talk. And this is something that I do with, with all my social media posts. I was like, is this how I would say it? Or is this how I'd write it? And you got to write like you talk. And I love that approach. And it shines through on your show, which is, it's, it is, it's so easy to listen to. It's, it's, and I also, I want to pay you a huge compliment. The fair part of your show really shines through. And I know you take extra effort to show both sides. I mean, if there's, you know, multiple sides or both sides of the, of the equation, you're going to show those. And I really admire that because you're not taking it from a, a one-sided viewpoint. If that means you have to say it in two different sentences, you're going to do that, which I love. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about the experimentation and also the way in which you craft each episode. So I know you have things like Trivia Tuesday and Money Money Monday, and you have a something on on Friday for like a, a, a good a good feeling. Feel good, a good Friday, feeling. yes. Feel good Friday, yeah. Feel good Friday, yeah. Thank you. And and you even on a Saturday you do you do interviews, and so I love that you have those those special segments. Curious, are those experiments? Did you are you always done those? And then what are some other experiments that would be something that you've learned from along the way? Yes, great question. So I did not do those segments at the beginning. Um, I just did the 10 minutes of news and that was it. I didn't even have any sort of interview segment. 
And I don't remember exactly. I'd have to go back and look if it was a year in or a year and a half in. But it, it kind of all started that I got jealous that other people doing interviews, if I'm really honest about this, had those guests share their episodes. I was like, gosh, that's that's a good marketing strategy. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, I think there are some topics that I would love to give our listeners a little bit more insight into. You know, we do go through stories pretty quick. We want to make sure people feel up to date and well-rounded and quickly. They don't need to spend a lot of time with us. You know, we call our show fast, fair, and fun. But sometimes there's something that I wish we had a little more time to explain. And so I was like, wow, well, taking these two concepts that I could give my listeners a little bit more about a topic and maybe have the extra little benefit of a guest sharing the show with people who maybe haven't heard of the Newsworthy before, I should try this. And I went into it saying, if people don't like this, I will stop. And I told them in the podcast, we're going to try something. And at the time, I actually attached it to our Thursday episodes and called it Thing to Know Thursday and just had an extra segment within the same episode. And I said, we're going to try this. Give me feedback how you like these interviews or not. And we'll go from there. And so my listeners, you know, especially the early listeners, they're experimenting with me. And I love that. And I was encouraging their feedback. And I was ready to pivot if I needed to. What I noticed was that Thursdays were actually getting more downloads than some of the other episodes. And I think people were curious, what are, what's the interview going to be about today? You know, whether or not they listened to the whole interview at the end of the news roundup, I think people were tuning in to see at least what it was. And, in, and I started getting a lot of good feedback about it, that people, oh, I really like that segment. And people were sharing them. And it got people talking a little bit more in depth about some of these stories. And so I was like, wow, this is working. We're going to keep going with it. And so I did that for a while. And then I realized that some of these topics were a little more evergreen than the daily news. And so that's why I ultimately ended up pushing it out to be its own episode on Saturdays when we didn't have another episode, but people really liked these extra segments. And so then I was like, well, what could we do every other day that maybe isn't a full interview, but is kind of an extra little something. And so that's how we came up with these themed segments and we've tacked them on to every episode. And I think it's really nice for the listener to be able to tune in. Oh, it's Monday. I know I'm going to get that money Monday extra story. And they might stick around till the end to hear what that money story is. Or maybe they're looking for a job and they're really curious what work Wednesday is all about every Wednesday. And so I've gotten a lot of good feedback about that. And then, you know, if that extra minute of news is not something they're into, they can shut it off and they've still gotten their main 10 minutes of daily news. And so it's really worked out. But yes, it was all experimentation at the beginning. And I think that's what it's all about, right? You experiment and and the feedback part really intrigues me. What is the best way you found to gather feedback from your listeners? I think the easiest way, honestly, is people just messaging me on Instagram. And I don't not, you know, obviously I don't have all of my listeners following me on Instagram. I think people really, you know, the podcast audience is my by far my biggest audience. But for people who do want to give feedback, that's really an easy way for them to just throw me a DM obviously reviews. I look at all of those and we've had people in reviews say, oh, and I love the extra segments at the end of their review. So I definitely pay attention to those. And we do get emails as well. So we have a contact form on our website. You know, we put out a newsletter that people will reply to. So I try to welcome that feedback whenever I can. And do you, on the show, do you, do you actually say, hey, send me your feedback? And if so, do you direct them to Instagram or, or to your website typically? Well, it's really interesting. One of the segments that we started, the Trivia Tuesday that you mentioned, 
was on purpose to try to have some interaction with Instagram. And it's really the only thing we do that's really cross-platform, explicitly cross-platform. And it's really worked out well. People who are into it and do find us on Instagram will take those quizzes every Tuesday. And every single week, somebody sends me a message that says, I love these quizzes. It it makes sure that I like really, it reminds me of all the stuff that you talked about on the episode. Or if someone doesn't get it right, we put at the end, all the answers are in today's you know episode. And so it's this great one way that we've found to have a little extra something fun over on Instagram and that we can tell people on the podcast, go take like play along on Instagram and on Instagram. If you didn't know all the answers, go listen to the podcast and you'll know, you'll know, you'll be up to date every day. That's one way that we tell people, make sure you connect with us on Instagram. Let us know what you think. And then otherwise, you know, I just encourage people to reach out to us however they want. We do put out, you know, staff at the newsworthy.com as an email address if they want to reach out to us. So yeah, it varies. We don't say that every episode, but we definitely welcome feedback here and there. And then when we have, we have a small membership of insiders, we definitely tell them, reach out to us anytime. We welcome your feedback as a, really a main supporter of the show. Mm, I want to I talk about that. That was actually one of the questions I have is, is the membership that you have. When did you start your the insiders, right? When did you start that, which is the membership component? And then secondly, how's it going? And like, what are some lessons learned from that that maybe somebody would get some value from? A few people ask me, how can I support you? How can I support your show? I really enjoy it. Also, a connection through podcasting was this new company that was launching a membership platform that was utilizing Apple Pay and Google Pay to make it kind of a really easy one-click solution to a membership. Well, I think Patreon is great, and I think a lot of people utilize it so well. I was more interested in something that was just going to be easy, didn't need a lot of my time, because I'm already doing a daily news podcast and running a business with a very small team. And so I was very careful, and we can talk about this later, but really staying focused has been one of the things that I've learned that I really try to stick with. And so not getting distracted by all the new tools and all the new things that I could and should be doing. Um, And so I didn't want to spend too much time creating a membership if that wasn't my main goal and my main way of making money. But because people were asking for it, I wanted to at least open it up as an opportunity. So for a while, the membership was very small. And it really was just, if you want to support the show, I'll send you a branded coffee tumbler. And you know, occasionally, you'll get an extra email from me. And I'll just really appreciate you. And then um, as we started adding more advertising into our main show to obviously create a sustainable business so that we could keep doing this, I realized that I would love to offer people an ad-free episode if they join that membership. And so that's the latest move that I've done with it. And we had more people join the membership for that because they're listening every day and maybe they want to get it even faster, get all their news even faster. And so they get that separate feed, that private feed. And this is all through Glow is the membership that I use. Amira is the founder and she's great. So I've done a lot of beta testing with them and we've kind of worked together to see what works best. And so it's a really just kind of easy process for me that I want to make sure I'm supporting my biggest fans by offering them this kind of bonus feed while still not putting too much extra time and energy just because we already spend so much time and energy on every episode. Yeah, no, I love that you're doing that. And I love that you've made some adjustments along the way. It makes a ton of sense that, you know, giving people the opportunity to opt out of advertisements while also supporting you and the mission that you're on. And again, super impressed with what you've done to build. The question is this, 
How did you, because you said you didn't have like a social media following or at least a very large one when you got started. You didn't have a brand name that everybody knew. So you, you really had to start this kind of from scratch in a way. What was your approach to get the word out or to help inspire word of mouth, you know, sharing of your show? And how has the promotion of your show evolved over time? Like, how are you growing it now versus how you grew it from when you first started? And I'll let you take as long as you need to answer that. Yes. So at the beginning, I tried to utilize every free option that I could find. So some of the best things at the beginning in the early days was getting interviewed on other podcasts, encouraging any guests once I did have interviews to share, um, doing cross promotions with other podcasters that I maybe met at conferences, for example. So I went to podcast movement and met people who maybe had similar audiences as me, even if we're both fairly small, we could do not only cross advertising for each other, but we got creative. And I, there was a financial show that I did a finance news roundup for her, like two to three minutes that she played in one of her episodes. And then she did kind of a finance explainer for me that I played in, in one of my episodes. And so we got creative with the cross promotions to really show our value to each other's audiences. Um, And I still try to do cross promos whenever I can here and there and have time for it in our episode now. And it's funny because when you look at Apple Podcasts, you know, other shows that people are listening to that are subscribed to yours, a lot of those shows that I've done cross promotions with or have been on their show show up as at least a couple of the shows in that category, which just says to me that it's worked, that um, we do have overlap in our subscribers. And there's a reason for that. So I think those are really great tools and ways to grow your audience, especially when you don't have a lot of money to spend. And I love that concept as well, because you're reaching people who already know how to listen to podcasts. You know, social media is great, but a lot of people on social media maybe aren't big into podcasts already. And so you have to kind of convince them that podcasts are great and that they should listen to your show. So if so, I really tried to stay focused on where are people that are already listening to podcasts and how do I reach them? So that was also trying to build relationships and get features, whether that's on the apps themselves or within media and doing a little bit of PR. I do have the background as a reporter, so I was able to utilize that a little bit. And what I quickly realized was that my action had a direct correlation with what my audience size was doing. People were not just going to organically find it. You know, if I build it, they will come. That's not the case. And so you have to kind of have a plan of action. So how it's developed more recently is that I have now, I have the the revenue um, and the more of the time, because I've now built a team, that I can experiment with paid marketing. And I think the biggest mistake people made, and I made on uh, made early on, is not doing enough analysis. You know, you can't just throw money at something and think that it's going to pay off. You have to understand what is the customer acquisition cost. You know, if you watch Shark Tank or something like that, you've probably heard of that. You know, for us, it's what's the listener acquisition cost. And then understanding that for every different paid marketing strategy you might test, and then figuring out if that cost is worth it for how much money you're bringing in with the show. So understanding, I don't care just about subscribers. I care about what I call loyal listeners, or in other words, long-term listeners. So these are people who not only subscribe, but actually tune in to multiple episodes and have stuck with me. And so I have to understand for every person 
that becomes a loyal listener, how much do I make in a year for that one person? And not because that's the only thing I care about. Obviously, I care most about helping them stay informed, you know, with the news and and making sure they have less anxiety about news and can have really great conversations. And I love hearing all of that feedback. But in order to continue doing what I'm doing and build a sustainable business, I have to understand how much revenue am I making for each person that listens and therefore understanding how much money I can spend in a year to gain more of them. And so I think that is the key, no matter what marketing you're going to be doing, is understanding that first and then figuring out testing different options for your marketing, then taking the ones that work the best and putting more money into it and leaving the ones that maybe are too expensive for what you're making currently. On the word of mouth front, um, because that is such an important part of a podcast success, what is the inspiring that I think is such an important part? And, and, and part of it is having a great show that people want to do that. But what other ideas do you have for helping people get their show to be more shareable, to be something that people want to tell their friends about? Like, what, what, what is the recipe there? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that comes to mind is listeners who have told me that they bring up news stories to their friends that they've heard on the show. And they often get feedback from their friends. Gosh, how do you stay up with all of this stuff? You know, or where did you hear that? And that brings up the conversation about, oh, the Newsworthy podcast, you should be listening to that. And so if you have things that you talk about on the show that are great conversation starters or pieces for people to talk about with their friends and family and coworkers, you know, that is one way that makes it really easy because your show just naturally gets brought up when people are saying, oh my gosh, where did you see that? Where did you hear that? And so as you're kind of planning topics, think about that and then encourage, you know, I do it usually at the end where I'll just say, if you found this really interesting, please forward it on to friends and family. And I don't say it all the time because we have a daily show, but I definitely utilize that and encourage people to pass it on. And I I do get feedback from people who say, I tell all my friends and family about it, that they should stay informed this way. So I think just that simple ask is, is one way. The topics that you have on your show is another way. And then I've experimented with other things. Like I did a beta test with that same company, Glow. They're doing a referral program where you actually pay people who share a unique link of your show. And so we've done that test and I still need to analyze the results a little bit, but I was like, I love that because if you're, you know, they're kind of the ambassadors of your show, I love rewarding them for sharing it. And so I know that we at least had some people who took their unique URL and shared it out on social media and had decent followings or just even texted it to one friend, you know, I'm super happy and I want to reward you for that. And so I really love this concept. I was always jealous of the email newsletters that could easily do it. Just forward this email with your unique link and, you know, we'll we'll send you a reward. And so I, I talked with the people over at Glow, how can we do this for podcasts? And they've created this really great system that we're still experimenting with. And so again, it goes back to that experimentation that I'm open to. How can we, uh, can we grow together and help more people discover the show and stay informed while also rewarding the people who are passing it along. Um, So I think that's a start, you know, and I think just be open to ideas and, and listen to the feedback of your listeners. Mm, Yeah. And I I just love that you're experimenting and continuing to experiment and, and analyze the data and look and see what's working, what's not working. So question for you about how you're thinking about your Saturday shows, which you interview people. And I love that you said, you know, I was kind of jealous that people get to (laughs) like have these, I totally get that. Part of me is jealous of having like, I'm not 
I'm not jealous of the workload of a daily show, but I like the <laughs> bite size, like daily show. There's something to that. So I'm, I'm curious when you think about interviewing people and I know you've interviewed some, some pretty successful people and some really like, you know, noteworthy individuals, what's your approach? Like, how do you prepare for your interview and which interview have you been most nervous for? Oh, goodness. So one of the things that I do, you know, even before we reach out to anybody is thinking about what's in the news that people might want to know a little bit more about. And so it's listener first, right? Sometimes that doesn't mean getting the biggest, most noteworthy person. Sometimes that means just getting an expert who knows how to break down this complex thing and explain it. And maybe they're just a professor at a university that you've never heard of, but they can explain this topic really well so that you have an understanding about something. Um, or if it's a topic in the news, like should we ban TikTok? I was able to get you know these security experts that you've probably never heard of, but who had different opinions about what we should be doing about TikTok. And I brought both of them on and was able to edit interviews of them explaining their perspective on the impact of TikTok and you know the role that China plays and should we be banning them and here are the pros and cons. And I think the listener really appreciated having those multiple perspectives because a lot of these topics are pretty nuanced. And so how can we bring in, bring in on guests that help explain the topic and then also help us understand all the different aspects of it and do it in a still fairly quick, uh, concise way. So I think about what topics do we want to talk about that are in the news? We, we think about having a variety of topics. Sometimes we'll be talking about the impeachment trial, and sometimes we'll be talking about dating in during a pandemic and on Valentine's Day. So we try to mix in fun stuff and serious stuff, just like our regular episodes do. And then we find the best expert or celebrity for that particular topic. So the Grammys are coming up. We're getting some Grammy nominated singers to come on. But, you know, last weekend we talked about the impeachment trial. So <laughs> we do a wide variety of stuff. And then in terms of just researching for the interview, you know, I do like to read some of the interviews they've already done, maybe listen to them, really understand their take on the topic so I can pull out not only their perspectives, but follow-ups to what maybe what they've already said. And I will have a list of questions, but I think when you actually get into the interview, and you've done a great job of this today, is have your prepared questions, have your research done, but be ready to pivot. And if they say something really interesting or maybe say something intriguing that a listener is going to have a question about, it's your job to follow up and be able to ask that question in the moment, even if it's not on your list. And so I think having that balance of preparation and going with the flow is really key for a great interview. Mm, yeah. So many great insights and tips right there that I'm, I'm sure everybody's gaining value from. So um, I, I'm curious, like, and you know, a lot of times you're not interviewing people because of their notoriety or fame, but, but has there been anybody where you've interviewed them and maybe you have been a bit nervous or a bit even celebrity or somebody that you've interviewed that has been, yeah. been made you a little bit nervous? Sure. I mean, um, what comes to mind is the record-breaking astronaut Christina Cook. I'm just so fascinated by what's happening in space. I mean, she could, we don't know yet who's going to be the first woman on the moon, but she's in the running and she's done just some, some incredible things in space. And 
when we got the interview with her, I I was a little bit starstruck, probably more than like a movie star, um, just because I'm I'm so intrigued by that world. And we do talk about some space stories on the show. And so I was excited to hear from her. We actually talked to her about dealing with loneliness during the pandemic because she spent almost a year in space in this tiny little bubble of a spacecraft. And so, uh, so that was fun. And I think, you know, we recently talked to like an HGTV couple about remodeling. And so I always get a little bit of an adrenaline rush before an interview because I really want to, you know, if I think most people do, if you're honest, because I really want to put my best foot forward and, and do right by the listeners and ask the right questions. But I think that, you know, all of those nerves kind of go away once you just get into the conversation and you realize that everybody's human. Totally. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think that's the key point is that we all are just human. And I think the more we recognize that, I think it's easier. Like even on this platform, you know, I was all of a sudden interviewing Damon John and like all these people like that I normally wouldn't get a chance to meet. But thanks to, to Clubhouse, which we're, which we're on right now, in addition to recording this. So I have one more question for you and definitely welcome anybody that wants to jump up here to ask Erica a question. I know uh, a lot of you are maybe listening passively, but by all means, I'm going to invite everybody who wants to come up or I'm going to invite you up. If you can come up, come on up. Uh, if not, no biggie. But my question is about mistakes or about lessons learned. Like what are the biggest lessons learned that you've had or the biggest mistakes that you've recognized and like you've you figured out like not to make that mistake again because i think we can learn from mistakes and and, and things that have happened uh, especially from somebody like you who's had tremendous success with your show like what what maybe didn't go as well and then how did you pivot well i think it goes back to staying focused as the lesson learned so early on there's so many people telling you all the things you should be doing but there's only so much time in a day and so I had to learn the lesson the hard way by taking courses that I probably didn't need or trying experimenting with things that didn't work out, whether that's, oh, I should get on this other platform or whatever. Realizing that those things were actually a distraction from my main goal, which was growing the Newsworthy podcast and building a sustainable business off of that. And so, yes, sometimes there's things on, on the outskirts of that that can help your ultimate goal. But I think early on, I just felt like every entrepreneur out there who was telling me I needed to do X, Y, Z, I would try that. Oh, and should I be coaching on the side because I'm, I have journalism experience. Should I be coaching on the side as this extra revenue stream while I'm also trying to build the podcast? And should I be doing this other project? And I would go to my husband with this other idea and he would say, you got to stay focused. You know, you have, you're trying to build this one podcast and still that will sometimes happen to me today where I get an idea and I want to move forward with it. And I say, wait a minute, that's not my main focus right now. And so really identifying your goals, your main goals, therefore, what are your priorities to reach those goals? And therefore, how should you be spending most of your time? And then if there's a little extra time here and there, fine, you can dabble. But I think people get too distracted and you can't do everything and do one thing well. And one of the ways that I really thought about this was through phases. So I created for myself, okay, phase one is really getting the podcast production streamlined. Phase two was growing the audience and really focusing on that. And then I haven't even reached phase three, which is how do I expand my network? What other platforms should I be getting on? So whenever I have an idea, I take a note in phase three 
and I say, I'll get to it later. I can have that idea, but I don't have to do it right now. Love it. Love it. Okay. So we're going to take one question because I don't think we have time for more, but Solmaz, uh, welcome. Love seeing you here. What question do you have for Erica? Go ahead. And if you could just say it's okay to use your record, your voice uh, in the recording, go ahead. Hi, it's okay to use my voice unless I start sounding like a <laughs> Sometimes when I talk, I get so nervous. I don't know what it is. I have no problem talking usually, but I get so nervous and I start shaking. So actually, that's kind of my question to you is um, you briefly touched on it a little bit. So obviously, when you're doing a podcast, they're recorded, right? So there's it's usually not live. But how do you deal if like you do start getting nervous and start like like literally shaking because that's what happens to me. Like, do you stop? Do you re-record? Do you, if it's live, do you, um, and please keep in mind, I am not a podcaster. I'm thinking about it and I've spoken with Billy and I still need to message you because you did offer (laughs) for me to reach out to you. But ever since I joined Clubhouse, I stopped using all other forms of communication. So, um, <laughs> so I will get to my email soon and send you a message. How do you deal with that? Like, like, let's say you are in the middle of something live and you start just getting whatever anxiety, like, does that happen to you? Sure, sure. Of course. And, and first I'll say you sound great. I mean, your audio quality already sounds good from what I can tell and you sound very calm. And so sometimes remember that we feel nervous on the inside, but it might not be coming across as much as you think it is. So I feel like you can can relax a little bit there. But I think getting nerves, you know, I used to do, even though I don't, I'm, I don't go live as much now, I used to be on live TV all the time when I was a TV news reporter. And every time I would get, like I said, with even just an interview, I get an adrenaline rush. I feel a little bit of anxiousness. And I think that's really nervous or really normal. And I would think of it more as you're excited for something than, oh, I'm just so nervous. But the main thing, the one recommendation I have is, well, I have two. One, practice makes perfect. I know you've heard this a million times, but the more that you do it, the more comfortable you'll get with it. So, you know, I was real. I look back at the tape that I did at my first TV news job, and it was horrible. My I did not have a good voice. My voice was practically cracking through the whole thing. I think there was one where the photographer that I worked with for my internship made fun of me because, like, in a joking way, because my hands were shaking in the live shot. Right? There were times I messed up so much. I was really happy that YouTube wasn't as big back then, um, because I definitely would have been one of those news reporters that landed on YouTube making mistakes. But over time, you know, 10 years working in TV news, I was slowly able to get better. That's why I worked my way up from a small town in Missouri to eventually getting to a city like Los Angeles. I couldn't start from day one in LA. No way. So I think you just have to give yourself grace and understand that at the beginning, it's not going to be as good as a year later. And that's okay. That's everything that we do. Um, And then the second thing is trying to stay focused on what you're actually talking about. When we let our mind wander while we're trying to talk about what are people thinking, what am, how, what's my clothes doing, and just let ourselves kind of think about other things while we're trying to stay on point, that's where we can run into trouble. And so really just think about the content, the thing that you're saying, let your brain stay as focused as possible on that, and try not to worry about all the other things that could come into your mind, such as what are people thinking about me right now? Thank you. I mean, everything you just said, I tell myself in my head and then sometimes I'm like, ah. Yeah. And we're all going to make mistakes 100%. And that's just part of learning and getting better. 
Erica, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. I know we got to wrap here, but you, you, you had shared, and I don't know where I heard this, but you had an instance where they went to you on a live and you just, all you could say was one, would you tell that story real quick and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So I was what we call a one man band in my first TV news job where I do all the, my own camera work and I drive myself to the story and I report and I'm on camera and you do and you do your own editing and you do everything. And I was sent to the Capitol and I didn't know where I was going. And long story short, I had to rush back under deadline to the newsroom. And they basically threw me in front of a camera with no teleprompter. And I just wasn't experienced enough. And the anchor tossed to me and I was looking at all my notes and I just go, uh, uh, back to you. And that was on live TV. And yeah, I just was really, I'm sure that probably is on YouTube somewhere, but it was, and I thought, you know, at the end of the day, I was crying. I thought I will never make it in TV news or in journalism. And I just thought the whole world had ended, but I showed up the next day and life went on and, you know, I still landed at a a top 10 market seven years later. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thanks for sharing that story. And thank you for being here. Please go check out thenewsworthy.com. Check out her podcast, The Newsworthy. It comes out daily, Monday through Friday. In addition, on a Saturday, you're going to hear her interview some amazing guests that will help to further allow her her message to expand. And so much that she does really creates a show that is fun, is fair. It, it creates a just it, you could hear her energy right now. It's like the the energy that she has in this recording is the t- same type of energy that she brings on her show. And I'm absolutely a, a massive fan. So go check out her website. And then obviously, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all with the handle newsworthy pod. P-O-D. Erica, such a privilege to have you. Such an honor to do a little bit experimenting here on Clubhouse. And so thank you so much for being here and for sharing uh, all your journey uh, and everything that you've done to make your show so successful. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much, Billy. You're a great interviewer and this show offers a lot of value with all the different guests you bring on. So thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of For the Love of Podcast. And if you did, wouldn't you love to also share it with your friends? I know it'd make you feel good to help them on their own journey as a podcaster. Or if you feel inclined, go ahead and make a post about this on social media. It would definitely help spread the word. I hope you found some insights and learning from Erica and what she did to help create her show and make it such a massive success. Next week, we have a special episode with Marcus DePaula. If you're not familiar with him, he is an absolute legend when it comes to getting extraordinary sound quality. He's a podcast producer, an audio engineer, and an all-around awesome dude, and I'm so delighted to share that episode with you. So make sure, if you're not already, please subscribe. And remember, everything we do, we do it for the love of podcasts.